0: Hey, guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is You can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golfers, and round matchups, and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.
1: In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now, more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today.
0: It is hour two on a Friday. It's the Chuck Oliver Show, so we're talking college football. Same thing we did in hour one. Difference will be. Hour two, Ryan Fowler from our great station yonder in Tuscaloosa, 100.9 FM. Uh, Ryan Fowler is going to talk a little Alabama, uh, of course, ahead of the LSU matchup tomorrow. And then we were going to talk to her yesterday, but Taylor Estes is going to join us. Uh, Sark was speaking yesterday. And in fact, his comments, uh, she, was, she was there. His comments, yes, I'm also disappointed with four and four. Dan, is that news that he's disappointed with four and four? Yeah, I
2: guess so. I think more of the news that everybody was looking at was that uh, pole assassin and the pet monkey are not, excuse me, the therapy monkey are not a distraction to the program.
0: Yeah, he, he did address that, that um, his assistant coach's friend, the stripper known as Pole Assassin, uh, and her pet monkey. uh, He insisted that that was not a distraction this week. It was a distraction to me, and I live five states away. But it wasn't a distraction to the staff or anyone there on the team. All right, so we'll talk to Taylor at the bottom of the hour right now. Let me get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365 headline and this is what I was looking for all week it is now official headline Missouri quarterback Connor Bazelik out versus UGA all right this is how tough it's been for Missouri this season Connor Bazelik he's a talented kid and he looks like a good fit for uh, Eli's offense there There there's a chance he was going to get yanked anyway or benched it just has not been happening like I said he's he's talented he can play Hadn't been good, and now he's injured, so it's official he's out tomorrow. Uh, Brady Cook and Tyler Macon, those neither for November 6, 2021, neither of those kids is an answer, especially in an SEC game, especially against Georgia, and for whatever it's worth, in Athens. Now, it may actually make it easier because it's in Athens. You won't have any friends or family there probably and you wouldn't Como, potentially. So it was already not going to be a competitive thing. And Georgia, if Georgia decides, I bet you they could go for 350 on the ground tomorrow. Missouri's run defense is, is just wretched. And now the quarterback's out. And so Tyler Beatty's an elite player. And I like Kiki Chisholm a little bit, but uh, Beatty's a Beatty's a stud. Not going to matter. In the least tomorrow. Headline. Georgia suspends Adam Anderson after rape allegation. For what it's worth, Anderson's attorney calls the accusation, quote, unfounded. Um, that's kind of what the attorney supposed to do right now. I have no idea. I, I told you earlier, Adam Anderson rape allegedly. That's virtually everything I or anyone else could tell you about it right now. He's been suspended. He's not going to play. Headline, speaking of not playing, this ain't good. Multiple Cal Golden Bears in COVID protocols ahead of game versus Arizona. Now, Arizona is as bad as there is. They're they're a swing and a miss right now, I think, aren't they? They're like 0-8, 0-9. No, they're 0-8. Cal's okay, but they're going on the road, and they're down a lot of players. Like, this is 2020 sort of levels. I told you that somehow LSU takes the field tomorrow in Tuscaloosa with fewer available players versus Bama this year than they had last year. Cow, same thing. Theirs, however, is COVID outbreak. They are ninety nine percent vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Ninety nine percent said that breakthrough, this, that, and the other. We want to be over the top cautious, so we're leaving them at home. Final headline: We talked about this with Adam Sparks in hour one. Uh, University of Tennessee is not going to self-impose the bowl ban. Now, this is the headline. I'll read. University of Tennessee won't self-impose bowl ban after internal investigation into rules violation of football program. Here's the real headline. Tennessee won't self-impose bowl ban after they realize they're probably going to win six or maybe even seven games. So we'll get around that bowl ban at some other point or hopefully we'll be able to skate on it all along consider yourself up to date we're going to take a break come back talk more college football ryan fowler next correct yep coming on talk uh bam and lsu
1: the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the
0: chuck oliver show if you have the means to travel back in time you'd have to go 15 years ago 2006 season lsu 28 alabama 14 it was the final notes of mike shula's uh time in tuscaloosa as the head coach well i've told you before one of the nicest people you'd ever run across had did did not need to be head coach of a program maybe of anything maybe you just need to have play sheet and coach quarterbacks and that's not a slight but he didn't need to be running program like alabama Um, And that quickly came to an end after this. But the reason I bring this game up is Alabama lost to LSU by two touchdowns. And the game was notable because it was on ESPN. That is the most recent time that the LSU-Alabama game has not been a national broadcast on CBS. And, in fact, if you remember, CBS even started monkeying around with things saying, screw this, it's a night game. It's our doubleheader day. Do you remember what used to be the doubleheader every year? Florida, Tennessee, they put that thing at night if they could and then Saban happened, and they're like, okay, yeah, no, LSU-Bama, that's prime time. Not this year. It's back on ESPN. Want to welcome us. Just one measuring stick for what it is. Want to welcome on now, good friend of the program. Uh, He is afternoon drive host on the game, 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. It is Ryan Fowler. Amigo, how are you today?
3: Man, I'm doing incredible, and I'm just sitting here listening to you. I did not realize that uh, I knew that. You know, this game has always been a CBS national broadcast, but I, it, it has been that long since 2006. Uh, wow, that is, that is incredible. And, you know, this rivalry has really taken off. Obviously, Nick Saban's ties back to the state, and, you know, you ask a lot of those players in that locker room. Uh, this is a bigger rival, and this is going to sound crazy for some. Uh, fans, it will always be Alabama and Auburn inside that locker room. It's LSU, and now that's player-wise. You can ask those guys, uh, and I asked Jonathan Allen one time, I said, why is that? And he said, well, LSU tries to out Alabama us. And they kind of do what we do. And he said, that's where the rival is really taking off. So it's it's very important inside that locker room.
0: Ryan, I was telling a story earlier in the program, uh, 10 years ago today, I say, like, folks, I even tell you to the hour, I was sitting in a press box, East Carolina and Southern Miss, and then just about broke every traffic law possible, trying to get back to my Hampton Inn for kickoff of LSU Bama in 2011. Um, where were you that night? Because that was the nine to six overtime game where I remember LSU second half, they, they went to an option game and they had a first down where they got like five yards with Michael Ford. And I literally said, Hey, LSU's got something going now on a five yard run.
3: I was actually inside Bryant Denny stadium and I had made my way, uh, in the fourth quarter down to the sidelines. And you'll never believe who watched it from my left shoulder. Uh, and that was Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was at that game. Oh, he was media that to, year. That's right. That's that's right. So he was right behind me and, you know, went into overtime. But, I mean, you could cut it with – I have – listen, it's my favorite college football game, uh, just a game that, like, the energy. Like, I mean, you got your hair standing up on your arms watching this game. It was game. the main event, and dude.
0: It was it was the biggest it, regular season game in years before or since. And it lived up. And yep. uh, I was actually talking
3: with uh, A.J. McCarron uh, earlier this week, had a chance to feature him and, and a couple of those guys in 2011, just to kind of – because that team will be honored on Saturday. And and we were talking about that game, and, and he said, you know, that's one of those games that, you know, generally a lot of these games don't live up to the hype because they hype that thing so much. And he's like, that one did. I yep. mean, it, it was that big of a contest, and it was a slugfest. Uh, but it was a, it was a great – College football game, and what would they say about that game current day? Like, if that game was played right now in 2021, and you walked out of there nine to six, how would the national folks describe a nine to six game? Boring? Two two out of work OCs?
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) The next day? Great point. Sure, that's what they would say. Ryan, I got an angle, and this is this is thin. Like, this is real. This is anorexic a little bit, but. Not compared to other offensive lines in America, but compared to LSU's offensive line early in this season, their O-line is better. Ty Davis-Price and I guess the rest of the backs as well, but the ground game has improved. Um, Is that any sort of corner for LSU to fight out of against Alabama tomorrow night? Is that a can we play keep away a little bit? Or does the illusion, you know, become that, well, yeah, you do that against Kentucky and Ole Miss?
3: Well, let me say Alabama at times uh, has looked like a defense that you could run against. So we'll see if if that works. But I just think this team is so over, you know, undermatched against Alabama. And I think uh, understanding what Nick Saban said last night talking about, you know, you could tell the players and he'd even challenged them, you know, why do you have to play? You know, ticked off or irritated or aggravated. Why do you, you know, not just give everything and say every single day, uh, regardless of the opponent? And that's what he tries to preach. But there's something about this team. Last time Coach O visited Tuscaloosa, I'm sure everybody remembers what oh, yeah. he said. I don't think it should have made that and made it out. I don't think there's anything LSU can do to keep this game close. I, I think it is an absolute just whipping. Uh, hey, I've never did one of those five-star lock of the weeks, but if I was betting guy, uh, probably that first half might be one that you might want to take a look at. Put the mortgage, put the farm, kids' retirement, college fund, whatever. Uh, that one's a pretty good lock. Uh, if you look at Alabama, they're ticked off, uh, and they kind of have something to prove, which uh, we'll see if they do that and follow up with kind of a uh, little bit of a a topic of conversation oh. in Tuscaloosa.
0: Well, there you go. Ryan Fowler's post-industrial revolution lock of the past 200 years. <laughs> he, you got to give it a title, Ryan. You know these guys when they come on the radio, right? you got to give Call it a title. Me.
3: Call me, <laughs> 1-900-Ryan, for your free pick. Yeah, right, sure. All right, yeah, let's.
0: Just... I, I, yesterday, I got into a conversation where I started at Evan Neal, and I really, really like him. And then I got to left guard, and I kind of like left guard, but as I kept getting out towards right tackle, it started getting a little more sketchy. Um, Make that walk with me and just give me a quick comment about the Alabama offensive line in general.
3: I think they've still got work to do. I I really do. And and I know that's coming out of a bye week. Uh, I I don't think that they experimented enough to make a change. Uh, I think some of us thought that they might do that. But when you look at Evan Neal, you know, you look at Cohen. Okay, for the for the left guard spot, nope. I, I think he's been pretty solid. I mean, it, you know, it's it's you know he's still working in as a first time starter. Uh, I think Darian Dalcourt at times has played pretty good. I don't think now this is just me from an amateur opinion. Nope. I don't feel that they've got anything on that right side uh, that's been consistent. I think Chris Owens, he may be playing out of position, but hear me out. He may be playing out of position for the sacrifice of the team. I don't think he's a right tackle, but I'm not sure they have a right tackle that's ready. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's having to play out there. Uh, Because you look at it, listen, if I can see it, I know Nick Saban uh, and Doug Marone are able to see that, you know, the the weaknesses there, but he may be doing it for the sacrifice as a team at that right tackle spot. I also don't think Emile Echior has, has, but some of that is probably due to, you know, that right tackle spot, but that right side of that offensive line, I don't think they're comfortable with. Now, that is something that they're going to have to try to find a way to fix if they have to, you know, keep an extra blocker in, just responsibility, because if they're able to make it through this tough month of November, you know, there's a pretty good front seven over in Athens uh, that they'll have to play in Atlanta uh, that'll eat that offensive line alive, and they'll have to do some things to kind of slow that, uh, pressure down, but uh, that's something that you know you kind of look at. That would be a heavy mismatch uh going up against that offensive line from what's over in Athens.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I agree. You make a good point there. I agree with you that if you've got a Warmack who can help on either side, or if you got like a Jonah at right tackle who can kind of help inside a little bit, there's nobody to help anybody. Like all three of them are looking around, going, "Hey, man, I need uh, like a half gap help from you." Um, Let's talk running back, uh, dividing up that pie. Now, let's just say LSU, it's a competitive thing, still in the second half. Arkansas, Auburn, I don't know, SEC title game, whatever. Um, Not number of carries, but after Brian Robinson, Roydell, who else, divide that up there. Emory, I know, but divide that up because Brian Robinson continues to get his share, my share, your share, a lot of shares.
3: Well, and, and that's the other question. I had three concerns
0: going into the bye week that
3: they need to clean up secondary offensive line and running back and i'm talking about running back depth because i just don't know if you can take brian robertson if you're going to try to run to a championship and you're going to have to run enough that the other team thinks that you're a threat to running the football then you're going to need to develop some guys behind him roydell williams has stepped up with the absence of uh, jace mcclellan yeah but I also think that you need another back. I've heard some good things this week about Trey Sanders taking some steps uh, in, in maybe the pass protection. I think that was the area. It wasn't the ball in his hand, but it's the ball without his, you know, without him getting the touch, uh, picking up that blitz, especially when you've got an offensive line uh, that that can give up some some pressure, and you kind of take that first guy out. Look at Trey Sanders. Nick Saban continues to tell us that Cameron Wheaton is just not ready, and that's a major recruit coming in to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So you think about that, and, and I don't know exactly what's going on. I think there was a uh, some cleanup things that they were doing with one of the injuries, but he's still not been cleared, according to Nick Saban. He said that on Wednesday. So when you look at Trey Sanders, he's the option. But either way, you've got to find some, some depth there. I just don't think that you can hand off you know, to Brian Robinson, like you did Derrick Henry. You remember when Kenyon Drake went
0: down and they just pounded the football? Oh, dude, I've talked uh, about the he, Iron Bowl that year. The final, was it 17 or 19? Yeah, the final yeah. 17 plays or 19 plays. It was go look at Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, every single snap. Well, he, you
3: know, he broke Sean Alexander's record yeah. of touches. Yeah. And he, it went 395, 395 carries that particular season. And, and, uh, Lane Kiffin reminded me when I had him on the show, he said 90 times that they ran him in less than two, excuse me, in less than seven days that I don't know if Brian Robinson can, can handle that type of workload. No,
0: no, no. Ryan. I appreciate it as always, brother. No urban Meyer, but I'm sure, uh, you you know, you need to be the celebrity factor tomorrow. Okay.
3: I will, but I think that
0: 2011 team is probably going to outweigh my
3: celebrity status. So, you guys have an awesome rest of your weekend. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Chuck. All right,
0: brother. I always appreciate the time. Ryan Fowler again, 100.9 FM there. And, yeah, the 11 team, and I mentioned it earlier, I think the number of guys off those two rosters uh, that either were drafted, signed to free it, made it into camp, whatever, it was like in the high 50s or maybe around 60 for those two rosters from the 11 game.
2: It's all about football now, pro and college. Lines for this week are coming your way. Hi, I'm Dan Matthews for BetUS, and let's get to some of those odds. How about we start with Auburn at Texas AM? Aggies are a four and a half point favorite. Aggies are also minus 200 on the money line. Tigers plus 170. Over under is 49.5. LSU, a huge underdog at Alabama. Crimson Tide, a 28.5 point favorite. Over under is 66. And a hook. North Carolina State on the road against Florida State. Wolfpack are just a two and a half point favorite against the Knolls. Money line is minus 135 for NC State. The Knolls are plus 115 over under 55 and a half. Wake Forest, believe it or not, a road underdog at struggling North Carolina. The Tar Heels favored by two and a hook demon deacons are plus 115 on the money line at unc minus 135 over under is 76 and a half let's head to the pros as the bengals a two and a half point favorite at home for the in-state browns cincinnati is minus 130 money line at cleveland is plus 110 over under 47 points Steelers are a six and a half point favorite on Monday night for the Bears as Pittsburgh is minus two sixty five money line. Chicago plus two twenty five. Over under is forty. How about a chance to make some money when you sign up with Bet US? How about you enter the promo code SST one twenty five. With this promo code, BetUS, giving you 125% on a sign-up bonus. For example, that first deposit, $100, you're getting an extra 125 bucks. You're using cryptocurrency? That's cool. Enter the promo code SST200. When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first crypto deposit is $100, you're getting $200 extra. Those are a look at some of the odds for the weekend brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years.
1: It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today.
0: All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 55 sticks. Been dealing it out since the beginning of the 14th season, so I appreciate everybody making that possible. Uh, If we go back in time, not even three full weeks, but like two weeks and 45 minutes of a game... um, after the first quarter in Dallas last month, it wasn't just, wow, Texas turning this OU series around. It wasn't just, hey, Texas may be a player in the Big 12. It was, how good might Texas be? If they're blowing doors, because we still thought Oklahoma was awesome. Uh, if they're blowing doors on Oklahoma like this, my and then they didn't win the game. And then they didn't beat Oklahoma State, and then they lost to Baylor. Now, I've told you before, I learned in Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay 2011, it can always get worse. Um, tomorrow night, Texas goes on the road to play a team that some thought might win the whole thing this year, the whole the whole Big 12 Conference, uh, Iowa State. So it doesn't get any easier. It's not like, well, we're through all the tough games now. That is not the case. I want to welcome on now somebody who does a tremendous job covering Texas football for Horns 247. It is Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing
4: today? Hey, Chuck, I'm doing well.
0: How are you? Doing all right. Uh, I think we talked to you before the uh, OU Texas game. So uh, take me, where were you mentally, between your ears, where were you after 15 minutes of football in Dallas that day? Because I was extrapolating. Now I was like, holy smokes, what might be possible for the Horns? And literally nothing has gone right since the end of that first quarter.
4: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that that start against Oklahoma, you know, I think that a lot of people watching were taken aback, honestly, because, I mean, the first play from, you know, scrimmage on offense goes for a 75-yard yep. touchdown. They follow it up, um, you know, with a big defensive series there. And then, you know, within – I think it was like within the first two full minutes of the game clock, Texas already had a 14 nothing lead. And so, you know, things looked like they were really starting to roll. And that was a big deal for Texas, especially coming out of that TCU game um, prior to the OU game, honestly, because I, that was the program that Texas has just really struggled with ever since uh, TCU joined the Big 12. You know, they kind of gutted out that win against TCU, and people thought maybe Texas – you know, as you mentioned, is legit and could make, you know, a Big 12 title run And that OU game. I mean, the collapse in the second half was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if I've seen anything – like that um, in my career up to then. And then they followed up against Oklahoma State with a very similar um, performance, you know, much worse offensively than uh, defensively against Oklahoma State and then against Baylor even, you know, they got a lead. They had a double-digit lead in the third quarter. And the whole time I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, they're going to lose this game. There's nothing about this team right now that makes me really confident that they're going to be able to overcome that hump if it's even a a double-digit lead in the third quarter. So it's been crazy honestly, to be around here and watching how things have unfolded, honestly, since that first quarter against Oklahoma, and, uh, you know, there's there's still a lot of games left on the test game still, you know, on the schedule for Texas, and that starts this weekend against an Iowa, Iowa State team. I think that's going to be looking for some uh, vengeance after their loss to West Virginia last week.
0: Well, this is not exactly Apollo 13. I mean, I'm not going to say, all right, Taylor, what's right with the program? Um, (laughs) There's a lot, and most of it's on offense, so let's start there. Um, Casey Thompson, he may be – I tell people if – If you just look at statistics of a quarterback, you don't have any idea about his impact to the offense, really. I think Casey Thompson, as much as anybody, just by looking at numbers, you you don't have any sort of drill down into what his game is and how effective he's playing. Um, There are too many turnovers, and it's not a modern-day completion percentage, but um, give us a flyover of Casey Thompson and, and, and his time after taking over in week three.
4: You know, I mean, I think that he's had some up and, up and down performances. There's no denying that. Um, but you expect that from any first-year starter. Now, obviously, yeah. he's been on campus for a while. Um, however, you know, he's never started a game. He never played more than a half of the game prior to um, the Rice game, this, you know, which was week three of this season. So I think for overall what he has been able to do um and get the you know, offense moving more consistently than you saw in the first two games against Louisiana and um against Arkansas with Hudson Card, the former starter at quarterback, you know, Casey Thompson has more of an impact I feel when he enters the game. Um the one thing, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised at this point that Steve Sarkeesian has not run him a little bit more because Casey Thompson, there was no question about you know, when there was a quarterback battle between him and Hudson Card, there was no question about Casey's athleticism. I mean, it was about his ability, you know, to connect on a deep ball or his throwing. It was that was always more the question. He's a natural athlete. You know, um, his father played football, quarterback at Oklahoma, and Charles Thompson back in the day at yep. Barry Switzer. So there's a lot of you know athletic bloodlines there. And, and Casey really, I think, can do damage in the run game. Now I know Sark is not the biggest a uh, fan of a quarterback run game and I don't think anybody would expect him to have to, you know, play the role that like a Sam Ellinger did play for the offense at Texas. But I'm really surprised that they have not utilized Casey's legs a little bit more. Um that's something I think that at this point, you know, when Casey's hitting receivers, you know, in stride, there's been some really, really bad drops and obviously the stat line shows that, you know, um, but there's only so much he can do and if if, uh, you know, these receivers aren't stepping up then you got to find a way to move the ball and it can't just only be John Robinson. So I think adding that quarterback run game could really help Texas down the stretch of the season especially, you know, if their receivers are kind of up and down um, like they have in the last two games.
0: You mentioned Bijan Robinson. I had somebody actually last week looked at me like defiantly like Bijan best running back in America and I was like hey, that ain't provocative dude it works for me um, just just wax poetic a little bit because and they have been able to back off the safety and the extra defender in the box some a little bit um, but it's not been easy and boy that kid produces
4: yeah, I mean, th- this is a terrible offensive line. There's no yeah. other way to put it, honestly. I mean, and it's, I'm not trying to be, you know, doom and gloom, no, it's and what I know the fans from. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is just a very poor offensive line, and Bijan is actually making it look better than it actually is, and that's kind of scary to think like what this could look like, you know, without Bijan Robinson back there. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, he just brings such a dynamic. Um, just spark to the offense to the field and in a variety of ways you know Baylor did a really good job of um, shutting him down had his lowest performance against Baylor I think he only finished with like 40 something yards uh, rushing and you know he's averaged 120.8 rushing yards per game so um, they were you know effective in kind of shutting down the the running game, but I really put that a lot on the offensive line because Bijan, you know, he hand, got the ball handed to him and he already had a guy in his face. There's only so much you do. And, and one thing with Bijan, you know, he always – really says the right things and doesn't ever, you know, ruffle feathers or anything. But after the um, Baylor game, he was ta- asked about the offensive line, and he kind of said, you know, there's only much I can do when, you know, guys, I have the um, offensive lineman being blocked into me in the backfield. Then, like, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to hurry to try to just get back to the line of scrimmage. And that was the first time he really heard some type of, like, frustration with John Robinson with the performance of the offensive line. But there's no doubt that, you know, I think – Finding the way to utilize him right now in the most you know effective way is what Steve Sarkisian gets paid five million dollars for. I mean, he is one of the best offensive play callers I think in college football. So um, they you know they definitely want to continue to utilize B. John Robinson, but there's no doubt that. I mean, without him, think about what this team could be. (laughs) And that's a scary thought, you know.
0: Wrapping up Texas Talk with Taylor Estes. She's the managing editor, Horns247. Get her on Twitter, at TaylorEstes247. I know it's her. Here, a blue check beside her name. Uh, Last question for you. And I think I know what the Cyclones are going to do tomorrow. They're going to line up and try to mash Texas. And that has been a pretty good recipe for opponents this year. Um, Texas run defense is very not good. And that's what the Cyclones do best. Um, How's that going to go in your estimation?
4: Yeah, you know, I think this is going to be a game of, you know, the running game for both teams with uh, Iowa State having Brees Hall, who's now the leading rusher in the Big 12. Mm. Bijan Robinson is second behind him. Um, You know, I think that. There's very little reason, I think, to give Texas the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I think after the Oklahoma game, there was more benefit of the doubt to give to Texas because, you know, Oklahoma obviously was a top four team um, at the time that they played. So, um, But after, you know, three straight performances this way, I feel like this just has a recipe for disaster for Texas written all over it. Texas has struggled on the road against Iowa State. Um, I think they're uh, one in three in the last three meetings um, at Jack Tribe Stadium. So it hasn't been an easy place for Texas to play. And there's no denying, you know, the fact that Texas is going to the SEC adds a lot of fuel, I think, to these road games um, of the fan bases, you know. They're going to be pretty excited there, I think, in Jack Trice Stadium. But I think that this is going to be a situation It's probably going to be a lower scoring game than what you're used to seeing for Texas this year. But um, at this point, I, I, you know, Iowa State's a six-and-a-half-point favor for a reason, and I think that that's a, probably a fair assessment that Iowa State could win by a touchdown.
0: Sounds like a managing editor to me. Taylor Estes, appreciate your time. Thank you.
4: Anytime. Thanks for
0: having me on. All right, again, get her on Twitter. Taylor Estes, 247. Yeah, this is uh, a predictable approach for Iowa State tomorrow, and I think it's a predictable outcome as well. Texas just has not been able to dig in against the run uh, really at all. And there is a change, even in the Big 12, there is a changing nature to the Big 12. Um, A little different with Matt Wells out, but if you look at the roster of head coaches, and I wonder what's going to happen with Gary Patterson out now as well. By the way, have y'all seen that dysfunction going on in Fort Worth? I don't think resign that – I don't think that means what Gary Patterson thinks it means. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But the changing face of the coaches in that conference, certainly less Miles at Kansas when he was there, uh, this is not every team shotgun four wide. This is not uh, third and one is, you know, an empty backfield. It's not what it is anymore. And so being able to line up and mash, whew, yeah, that's what Iowa State likes to do. And Texas is just not up to it, not getting it done. And that's surprising me because you can always play run defense. You really can. Uh, Missouri can't. Texas can't right now. And uh, it is not an X's and O's things, man. They're just, they're just bad. They're worn out a little bit. Uh, not a whole lot of injuries, but uh, still it's just bad. And I think that's what Iowa State's going to do tomorrow, Brees Hall and, and Purdy and the Bunch. All right, so we're going to break, come back. Wrap up on a Friday next.
1: Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Uh, The courage, the guts uh, that he plays with.
3: Uh, He's rushed the ball if you take away sacks for almost 800 yards, and he doesn't. Slide. I mean, he's a competitor and he's a winner and, and I just, you know, for people to criticize how he's playing, haven't watched film on him.
0: Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson. He's talking about the man slinging the leather for the team across the field tomorrow. That'd be North Carolina quarterback, Sam Howell, who still could be a Heisman finalist. Uh, North Carolina was supposed to be a dark horse to make the playoffs, to maybe upset Clemson, and then they didn't even make it to week one. Well, they made it to week one. They made it day one. They lost on that Friday night to start the season in Blacksburg, and it's been as underwhelming. They lost to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech's not very good. So it's been a really underwhelming season for North Carolina. They are 4-4 four and four overall. Sit at 3-3 three and three inside ACC play. And tomorrow at home, Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. High noon, kickoff against Wake Forest. Now, who is Wake Forest? Wake Forest is the ACC's highest ranked team. Now, they only got three teams ranked. The other two? Daria. Daria, NC State and Pitt. That's not supposed to be how the ACC lives. We have three teams that are ranked. It's Wake Forest nc state and pittsburgh wake is the highest ranked and they're a two and a half point dog the number nine team in america eight0 playing a 500 squad and you're an underdog that is the opinion because remember the the number the, the betting number the wagering number that's available it's not a prediction It is an effort by the casino. Do you know what the casino's real goal is? By kickoff, it doesn't care who wins. In rough numbers, if I have a million dollars in bets on Wake Forest and a million dollars of bets on North Carolina, that's what the casino wants because they're gonna wind up making a hundred grand. They don't care who wins. They bring in one point one, they pay out a hundred or they pay out a million. Boom, hundred thousand dollar. That's what they're after. So the number is built around hopefully getting even action on both sides, and so the betting number says none of y'all believe Wake Forest. That's the ACC right now. Chuck Oliver show continues on a Friday. And I, I was mentioning before we went to break there, and I want to get this in before we're uh, we're out for the week, actually. Uh, in Fort Worth, we got weird, and we got drama. Uh, and this – everything I'm about to say, it may matter to you, whoever you are, because they may come for one of your coaches. First, the weird part. Gary Patterson resigned on Sunday. Now, he was told, yeah, this isn't going to keep going. All right, we'll, we'll announce it was mutual. It was not mutual he was fired, resigned, not on the job, whatever. I don't think that word means what he thinks it means because he's been showing up for work. Hanging around the coach's office. On Monday, he sat down with two assistant coaches and started going over his game plan for Baylor this weekend. So that's that's just the weird part, not the drama. Do you want the drama? Deion Sanders is reportedly on the Frogs' real list to interview and Coach Prime is already dealing with criticism just on the prospect that he would take the call. Here's the truth. If Deion Sanders leaves Jackson State, the overwhelming likelihood is we go back to seeing Jackson State on TV only when it's a Walter Payton clip from back in the day. Um, and that has a choir of individuals already yelling sellout, traitor, selfish, etc. at Dion. Deion, Deion who already was living the lush life. He would appear on NFL Network sometimes, make more money than he makes as the Jackson State head coach, and you know what he never did on NFL Network? I can't remember this. I think it was Alcorn State. There was a team in the SWAC, I believe. Did y'all see the story about a month ago? There was a team, in the, maybe it was Grambling or Southern. Somebody was going to have to not play a game because they couldn't afford athletic trainers. They couldn't afford to pay like four people $250 for the Saturday. They couldn't afford to employ trainers during the week. Deion Sanders, for a team he does not coach and a team that he may line up and play against, he was like, that's not right. He paid for trainers. He's talked about how kids in the said it costs just a little bit more money to have the names on the back of the jerseys and to save money nobody in SWAC wants to do. it. He's like, these, these moms want to see their kids' names on the back of the jersey. Dion has already stepped out from his comfortable, lush life and is already giving beyond, beyond, beyond for Jackson State. Now, is he doing it as a springboard, a step up, and perhaps to get interviewed at a place like TCU? I don't believe so. If that winds up being the result, all right, that's a different story. Good for Dion. But I said if Dion leaves Jackson State, I said the overwhelming likelihood is we go back to seeing the Tigers only when it's a clip of Walter Payton or maybe when they're talking about when Coach Brown was there. There could be an exception to that. What did Tennessee State that Eddie George said, you know what, I want to be coach of Tennessee State. It doesn't have to just be a black former superstar who says, I'm going to throw a bone to an HBCU. It can just be a qualified coach. Problem, like every every Southern, Grambling, Tennessee State, FAMU, every one of them has always had competent coaches. They've always had good coaches or bad coaches. That's different. The SEC has that. Good coaches, bad coaches. Successful coaches, coaches who don't have success. The SWAC and the MEAC, they all had that. What they didn't have is, other than Eddie Robinson, start naming some coaches from HBCUs. Clarence Big House Gaines. I know him. And I think he was Winston-Salem. Okay, you know what? Winston-Salem State. I think, David, check that. Clarence Big House Gaines. Was he Winston-Salem State? I think. Deion Sanders says the word Jackson. St- I don't even know what he was saying about it. I was like, Deion's talking HBCUs. Oh, he said he's the coach now? That's what it takes, not just competent coaching. And it turns out, was he? the sales State, you were correct. Yay, Chuck knows things. Um, Deion has not been doing this for the money. He hasn't been doing it betting on the eventual outcome where he gets called up to the big time. He's not doing it because it's easy. I know that. He's not doing this to stay in the spotlight. He's Dion. He is the spotlight. But what if he's good enough that he can get a promotion? It does not make him evil or anything of that sort, and that is the language right now, in advance of him even being contacted. Now, I will say on the part of the collective we, there is even a bit more disrespect for Jackson State than has been acknowledged. Um, Originally, when Dion was hired, all of us together, we talked about how Jackson State, same as every same as Alabama or Notre Dame, won't work, no experience, way more difficult to run a program than he understands. Then it worked. It worked a little bit last year. Do you know what Jackson State is right now? You don't, and it's fine. You're not supposed to. They're seven and one. They're seven and one and they're good. So it worked. And before when we lumped Jackson State into the same bucket with every pro Penn State and Southern Cal and all of them won't work at Jackson State because it's a football program and you have to have experience as a coach well now instead of talking about Jackson State in the same general realm as every other program the commentary has become well yeah it worked there but hey it wouldn't work at a place like TCU if that's our response it's all of us delegitimizing every facet of the JSU program and that is wrong um I will say, though, what Jackson State did, it doesn't necessarily have to set the example specifically with Dion. Hey, look what Jackson State did with Dion. Now we'll hire Dion. They could have rolled the bones, and brother, it's turning up for him. They could have rolled the bones and said, it, we're just going to hire a big name head coach. Maybe he will staff the rest of the sidelines with experienced guys and we'll see how it works with just a big name eye catcher do you know why that may be genius and that may be a program that even like tcu may want to try folks in the age of the transfer portal having a big name head coach before any other evaluation is included yeah that's an advantage and attention getter now if he can also coach which it looks like dion can jackpot but in the age of the portal, where you've got guys looking around and going, oh, Eddie George, I know him. I'm going to play for Eddie George. When it's a one-year deal anyway, hired guns show up, get some NFL tape, and boom, off to the combine. Somebody above the Tennessee State, Jackson State level, et cetera, is going to try that. All right, wraps it up for the day, wraps it up for the week. Dan, thank you. David, appreciate your brother. Everybody listening. A couple of days, recharge the batteries. We will get back together on Monday for more College Football Conversation. Right here on the Chuck Oliver Show.